Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brother, Christian Lewis, tonight. It's a Brother, Brother podcast. Tonight, we're talking about what we're listening to these days. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's talk about what we've been listening to lately. Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, tonight, I am with my brother, Christian Lewis. I am Wyndham Lewis, and this is, thus, we are on a Brother, Brother podcast. Um, and tonight, we're just talking sort of casually about the things we've been listening to lately. Every every uh, episode, we close Brother, Brother, Brother with, what are you listening to? And this time, we thought we'd bring it up front and, you know, just uh, share with you uh, what we've been enjoying and uh, what we think you should be listening to if you're not already. So, Christian, what's the first one in your uh, in your quiver tonight? Yeah, so I mean, I really wanted to focus here on um, the sort of uh, best of the first first three months of 2017. So, you know, releases from new artists that um, either had a little buzz or or that uh, had sort of dug up some other in some other corner of the internet. Um, but uh, the first one I want to bring up is actually um, Ali Barter, uh, and, and a, a Melbourne-based uh, artist who put out an album called A Suitable Girl earlier this year. And um, I have to say that, honestly, the reason that I first listened to this was because the name stuck out uh, so much. I, I have a friend with a name that is almost identical to hers, and um, I sort of thought, oh, what is this? Maybe she put out an album, and I didn't know about it. Um, but... Uh, but in any event, you know, this is, uh, it's, it's a really terrific, um, terrific rock album. And of course, you know, Melbourne being home to um, the likes of, of Courtney Barnett and a really uh, a sort of happening uh, Australian music scene right now, um, <clears throat> I think she might be, you know, one of the next artists to, to, to really sort of break out of that, um, break out of that scene. You know, I think uh, as the title might suggest, um, this is something that really, you know, tackles sexism head on, um, in, in this sort of first full length debut. Um, but I think, you know, it does so with, with really clever lyrics and, and sort of great pop and rock melodies. And, uh, she just has a incredible, um, incredibly powerful voice. Who, who are um, your comps do you think on something like that? Uh, to her voice specifically? I mean, yeah. I think, um, you know, she's, I, I'd say sort of, in a way, maybe a little bit of Elastica um, in there or L7, um, you know, but but the thing is, like, the thing that sets it apart is, is the fact that she's really got, I mean, she was classically trained originally, um, and so she she does have sort of that power and depth that, that comes with uh, that comes with that kind of training, I think. Um, and uh, it really does just sort of, you know, skyrocket at times and, and you know, backed up by uh, by some really terrific... And uh, heavy guitar licks, um, it, it really uh, it really pulls together nicely. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. I mean, the, the subject of the album, like you, you really can't discuss this without sort of talking about feminism up front. I mean, um, Jeremy and I were talking last week about Sleater Kinney, um, and that's sort of a band that I've always felt was was never really allowed to escape these these labels that were placed on them, whether it was Riot Girl or, or you know, feminist rock, whatever. Um, 
And, you know, you often, I think, hear that sort of cynically people remark that, uh, you know, one of the hard things for for female rock groups to do is is basically, uh, you know, drop the prefix female, right? I mean, you know, that, that yeah, they're not just considered rock their, groups, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, similarly, similarly artists, um, you know, female artists get this, get the same sort of tag. And, you know, I think that, that it's interesting. I mean, she's, she's sort of reacting very straightforwardly in some of these songs, um, to sexism in the, in the music industry specifically. Um, and even more broadly, you know, um, that, that she's experienced in other aspects of her life. And, you know, I think that there's, there's something to be said for that. It was, it was just actually a, a pitchfork piece that, that just came out, um, was uh, they put out a fairly sort of data intensive breakdown of the 23 biggest annual music festivals in the U.S. And one of the findings that I thought was kind of interesting is that 74 percent of the bands playing the 23 biggest festivals are all male groups. So 12 percent of bands are mixed gender and 14 percent are outright female. But that's that's kind of staggering. I I actually wouldn't have thought that it was quite that steep. I mean, I would have said 50% maybe, but I was surprised to hear um, well, that America, it was 75. Well, America is only 14% female, so. Oh, that, yes, that was actually also in Pitchfork's article, so we can attribute that <laughs> statistic yeah, to them. Um, Con- Condé Nast fact checkers can, mm-hmm. uh, will we'll be at our throats, no doubt. But yeah, I mean, that that's insane. And I, I think, you know, part of it for me is I feel a little bit like in this you know, the, the bubble of, of Williamsburg music, I mean, where a lot of times I do find that it's pretty collaborative, and I, I don't mean to uh, to suggest that, that sexism isn't, you know, is, isn't sort of a, an issue here as well. It's just, it, it does seem like there's a, a, a fairly, you know, collaborative sort of playing field no, here. No, it, it, I mean, it seems to me, the, the stuff that we've been seeing a lot over the last year, I A couple feel of like, weeks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, but even over the last year, I mean, with, you know, bands like Dilly Dally and... and uh, you know, uh, some of the, you know, a lot of the local Brooklyn bands, there's, uh, we, you know, we saw um, Downtown Boys, and it just yep. seems like there's a real, you know, right now is, is uh, you know, peak time for, you know, female-led bands, so. Um, no, and it's it's funny, because, I mean, when we were thinking about doing this, and I was sort of listing out the bands with some of the great albums that I wanted to sort of name-check and talk about today, I was thinking, what, we've got the Courtney's, Jason, Diet Sig, um, Ali, Bar- uh, Ali Barter were all, you know, were, were sort of first, uh, first tier picks for me. Um, so, you know, and, and all have great albums in the last couple of months, but, but again, you know, I, I think that it, it does sort of speak to, um, you know, uh, the, the sort of more pervasive and, and longer term realities that, that artists are dealing with in this, uh, um, in the industry, you know, talking a little bit about the style here, I think that, that, um, you know, this really does draw from a wide variety of rock styles, and they sort of get thrown together. Um, you know, some of these songs have really grungy '90s guitar hooks. Uh, I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, that sort of L7 sound, or even, frankly, um, I get a lot of hole um, in uh, like coming through um, on a few of these songs. And um, and you know, at other times, I think she sort of mellows out. And I think it, some of her older tunes were were a little bit more geared towards sort of you know single singer songwriter and, and guitar um style and and then other times you know you have these really sort of structured pop tunes and brit pop and, and sort of power pop so it sounds um, like it's all over the map that's great but it, yeah it's got a cohesive whole 
Well, that's that. That's actually, if I were to lodge one criticism here, I would say that at times it can be a little bit hodgepodge, um, and it, it doesn't necessarily flow as seamlessly as I would want it to. But at the same time, I sort of think that that like it actually reflects like a huge you know degree of versatility on her part, um, and that actually makes me pretty excited about sort of what's coming next for her. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, finally, I, as I said, I think the the voice is really sort of what. What sets her apart here is a classically trained singer. So, um, you know, a few of the uh, a few of the highlights I would just I, I would you know mention are I think "Girly Bits," which is sort of a pure saccharine pop tune with with this you know um, sweet vocal part, but it's it's really sort of uh, uh, juxtaposed with the or sort of clashes with the lyrics that that are actually um, you know condemning sexism. Uh, and then "Far Away," which is actually the first song I heard by her and thought this was just like this is a like a you know a arena or stadium sized uh, guitar riff, mm. um, it's super heavy. I mean, like song two by Blur, Jane's Addiction stuff. Wow. Um, and then the last song in the album, Walk Talk, um, is uh, I I just have to check because it it like the second I heard it, it is the you know that post breakdown guitar riff in the song Peaches by Presidents of the United States of America because <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome and I want to hear that all the time so more of that please um but what uh let's uh, oh and yeah I mean I I think you know it's important to mention also like she she does come out of this sort of DIY ethic which I think we can all still Appreciate to the point that when I ordered her T-shirt, I actually got the uh, handwritten mailing label, which um, I believe has a return address that is presumably her apartment in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> so I imagine her sitting there packaging, uh, pa- packaging her merch and sending it off around the world, which is That's pretty great. cool. So, yeah. trip around uh you know uh, geezer island and, and say that there's been a lot of really good records put out by you know some really established artists um you know this recently i mean um and i mean that facetiously because i think they're all still extremely uh good and relevant but uh you know bands like wire and um amy mann has put out a great uh record early in the year um gold who are not 
uh, doesn't fall into the older category, but they've been around for quite a while. Alice in Goldfrapp and, and uh, Silver Eyes are really good album but uh my first one i'm actually going to go the same route you did which is a um you know somebody who's really finding their legs right now and that's charlottesville's gold connections um they've put out one ep thus far we're anticipating a full-length album but it's a fellow by the name of will marsh uh, i believe uh there is a band uh uh that is being formed but you know it's this is sort of bedroom recording uh, but produced by his classmate uh Will Toledo of Car Seat Headrest uh with whom he I believe he he was a DJ at uh the William and Mary radio station so um and I wouldn't say that the you know uh, I don't think that there's a huge uh, gap here but uh given that they are working together um that uh, I would say that, you know, if you like car seat headrest, gold connections is for you. But there are, you know, significant differences, I think, uh, one of which is that, you know, uh, this album, the five songs in this album, there, I, I have the feeling, and you know, particularly in early, earlier car seat headrest records, that, um, you know, Will Toledo has this unbelievable knack for pop hooks, but kind of tries to bury them or mask them a little bit. Uh, to me, uh, Gold Connections is if, you know, and again, this is in their nascence, um, so much like Ali Barter, um, you know, we're, we're going to find out what this person, you know, what this uh, group is going to sound like. But right now, I would say that they're less inclined to bury their pop hooks, more inclined to bring them to the fore. So I think, you know, what I would, you know, the comparison I would draw is really um, some car seat headrests, the sort of the best nuggets of car seat headrests that are, that are really being pushed to the front of the first five songs that I've, I've been listening to on this EP. Um, no, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, yeah, when, when it's true. When you listen to Teens of Style, you're right. I mean, he does, he does sort of um, sit those pop hooks a little bit lower and sort of fuzz them out a little bit, um, this being car seat headrest. Mm-hmm. And then as he came into Teens of Denial, which is, of course, which was on our best of, uh, best of 2016 list last year um, and still, still on heavy rotation for me, I've got to say, you know, that's that's when those sort of big roaring uh, guitar licks come out, and and um, you know you start to get sort of uh, some more sort of volume, and and um, you know the, it feels like a sort of more robust sound from from the band. Yeah, there's a little bit of pavement here. There's a little bit of a lot of things. I, you know, the opening track, um, "Faith in Anyone," which I really like an awful lot. I mean, to me, the vocals on that sound you know like Isaac Brock, who you know not in the sort of staccato, modest mouse stylings but in the sense that Isaac Brock really does actually have a very good singing voice and this uh, sounds similar um, to that when he's at his best uh, to me I you know the songs are well written they, this guy's very literate um, again it's fun I've been you know I've, I've been tagging certain bands over the past couple of years as bands that I feel like show up fully formed and this is a band that I absolutely think the opposite of I, I'm really interested to see what this grows into I think a lot like your uh, Ali Barter. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what happens when this guy finds his lane. Definitely, um, no, and it's got a real a real sort of authenticity to to the voice that I think is really sort of attractive. Um, you know, amid a in an, in an ocean of, of pop right now. Um, from my it's basically the antidote. It's basically the antidote to the chain smokers. Yeah.
You know, the next band I wanted to talk about here was uh, actually Dude York, um, who have had a pretty good run lately in terms of uh, generating a little bit of buzz. Um, they uh, they put out an album called Sincerely on Hardly Art. Um, they're a Seattle-based group, um, and uh, I think two of them out of Whitman College, um, actually classmates of uh, uh, a couple of folks I know I found out subsequent to uh, to, okay. to lining this up. Yeah. Um, you know, this album has sort of an interesting story, though. I mean, these guys were, were always sort of committed DIYers in the scene um, in Seattle uh, and, you know, initially recorded, I think, an early version of this album at uh, at a punk house called Magic Lanes. And then when they were signing with Hardly Art, it, I'm not entirely sure whether it was their idea or whether they were sort of gently encouraged or sort of nudged to re-record for better sound quality. Um but, you know, they ultimately went back into the studio. And that is uh, when Cody uh, Votolato of the Blood Brothers um, actually sort of came in and, and was slated to produce this. Um, and he sort of recruited John Goodmanson, who, um, again, is somebody of, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of this guy's stuff, but but he is a sort of Seattle legend and responsible for, you know, Sleater Kinney and Bikini Kill, among, you know, a million others. Um so, you know, I think that that gave it that sort of really um, uh, just sort of pure, clean, clear, great rock, you know, sort of polished rock sound, um, but, uh, but without actually sort of obscuring any of the uh, underlying instrumentation. Um, and, you know, as far as the, the style and, you know, the music itself is concerned, I think, you know, the, it, they are a sort of power pop forward band. Um, and they've got these sort of, you know, fluid, rollicking uh, guitar-led songs that have, you know, just sort of infectiously um, catchy sing-along choruses uh, and these really sort of, like, supercharged uh, guitar riffs and, and, you know, pretty snappy hooks. So, yeah, I heard a little um, Nirvana in there myself. I mean, is that far-fetched? Yeah. No, I don't I don't think it is. I mean, I think you've got to sort of take the... the uh, Kurt Cobain vocals out of the picture, um, but I mean, we always talk about how Nirvana is is sort of at at its core. That guy just that guy just wrote a lot of great pop songs, <laughs> and you know, yes, they were angsty and uh, uh, anxious. But I mean, I, I, and whereas these are a little bit more sort of uh, you know, I think. Uh, 
joyful and and sort of laconic vocals are, are you know I think um, and maybe slightly more uh, playful than than anything Nirvana ever did. Um, definitely the the music does have uh, does does have you know a little bit of similarities there. Um, you know everybody actually I, you see all over the place that these guys are getting compared to Weezer, and I think that that really is just sort of the the phrasing. Um, of uh, uh, of the vocals, but um, I, I of course don't particularly like Weezer. I know that you don't either, so I'm sort of trying to avoid um, making that comparison. Mm-hmm. But you know, until we can come up with something better, I think uh, I think we may have to let that stand. Foo Fighters. Yeah, sure. There you go. <laughs> Anything. Gonna, my, my last uh, couple are going to be bands that are that are certainly uh, established, and um, you know have solid, very very solid careers, but are, are you know sort of cha- you know sort of uh, shifting gears again. And uh, the first one is is Mastodon's Emperor of Sand. Um, Mastodon, I you know sort of uh, I, I feel like I'm I'm growing up with Mastodon. Um, I feel like their early records were extremely, you know, sort of virtuosity forward and mostly concept records, and they were great. And they were heavy metal records. They were really terrific records. But they sort of uh, shifted into this, um, you know, almost uh, hard rock, classic rock kind of lane that uh, I I wouldn't have predicted for them, but suits them beautifully, I think. Um, because they are all really good singers and because they are all really good players, um, you know, they're, they've sort of, you know, they sort of entered into the, the same arena as Queens of the Stone Age. Um, I hear a lot of Thin Lizzy. I hear, you know, almost some Kansas in their vocals, some, you know, real 70s arena rock um, in their vocals now. Uh, their vocals are coming cleaner, uh, less metal, and um, I, I don't know. I... Uh, I really like it. I mean, for God's sake, there's a uh, the third song on the album, "Precious Stones," has a tambourine in it. So um, I think we're uh, I think we're officially uh, shifting gears. But I, you know, I've seen interviews with them, and um, I, I really like their attitude, which is you know, fuck it, we're changing, we're growing up. If you want to come with us, you're welcome to. And um, I think that's a, you know, I mean, I don't think they need to apologize for anything 
because I think they're they I think they're a band that made great albums in a certain style and are making great albums in a different style now. No, and um, I think that's a that's a really I mean that's a good point. They, there's always been this sort of like. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to call it controversy. That feels too strong. But there's always sort of been yeah. there's always been like disagreement about what Mastodon is and who they belong to and where they sit. I mean, like you know, the the metalheads are sort of have always have always sort of brushed them off and said, well, no, 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 that's that's prog rock or that's prog metal, you know, or, or they've wanted to sort of classify it. Um, almost dismissively as like, well, it's stoner metal up, you know, with uh, with Paul Bear and then you know those sorts of Queens, bands. Yeah. Yeah, the sword. I mean, you know, and like, no, honestly, these guys like blow the sword out of the water. Um, I mean, they are phenomenal musicians. Uh, whatever, whatever they're doing, I like it. Um, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't care what we call it. I, I really think it's got almost more. Uh, but Queens of the Stone Ages, yeah, is exactly. Well, Queens of the Stone Ages, but also th- I think it harkens back to Thin Lizzy. I mean, I think the you know yeah. this is twin leads. This is. You know, um, you know, sort of singing, but but in in multiple different, you know, sort of cadences and phrasings. It's it's not all one thing. It's but I really like every direction they're going in currently. And I mean, these guys are are getting older. As and I saw one, uh, um, you know, interview, and I think it was a, a little tongue in cheek. But I mean, they are from Georgia, so. Um, you know, the guy, the guy said, well, what do you think you'll grow into? And the guy said, well, uh, maybe Porter Wagner. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I could, you know, I, I can see that though. There's, you know, there's something to their song, you know, their song craft that, that would allow them to, you know, do a great version of country if they felt like doing it. Um, you know, so that'd be, was that Brent Hines? That guy's got a damn good sense of humor. <laughs> you know, they're all good. They're, and they're all smart guys. And so, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not fighting this, uh, this current. I think it's, I think it's great what they're doing. I mean, I think, you know, that they've got a single out, they've got a couple singles out right now. I mean, Sultan's Curse is the lead track, Show Yourself, which, you know, again, is straight up, sounds a lot like Queens actually. Um, but you know, Clan, you know, songs like Clandestiny, Ancient Kingdom. I mean, these are songs where you're recognizing that they these guys have four vocalists in their band, and that's a the great thing. He's a great singer. Yeah. He, yeah, he sings the singles for the most part. He's the one that sounds like Josh Homme kind of. But, um, you know, and also, I, I don't know how the hell you play that uh, complex a, a, a drum. <laughs> how you do that kind of complex drumming while singing, that's, that is insane to me. Yeah, no, I've I've always felt that. Well, we'll we'll have our we'll have our moment to truly reflect on the great singing drummers. I think I think that's upcoming at some. Yeah, point, no, right? I mean I I've always thought of you know a singing drummer is is one trick. I mean Karen Carpenter is a singing drummer, but this guy, is like, uh, you know, ties it in knots. I don't know how the hell he keeps it straight, but anyway. Yeah. No, I, so yeah, I think as a as a bottom line on these guys, you're absolutely right. This this really is a. a it, I hope. Well, I would be very very interested and enthusiastic if it did um, mark a turning point. And that's not because I didn't love their old stuff. Um, it, it really is. You know, I'm just sort of interested to to see them sort of explore uh, explore new types of uh, new sounds and new types of songs. Yeah, and I, I love that they're open to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
the next uh, the next album I wanted to talk about here is uh, I think from a, from a guy who's um, older than older than Mastodon, um, not older than all Mastodons, of course, but um, just just the band. But that's uh, that's Wiley who put out an album in January, uh, The Godfather, and this guy is. I mean, he is the godfather of grime. Um, and, you know, I, I think that this album is, is, in a way, sort of intended to be his signing off. Um, he has, uh, he said it is, um, uh, he said it's his opportunity to pass the torch to a younger generation, really. And, and I think, you know, I'll take a moment just to, just to reflect on, um, just to reflect on, you know, what, what grime is for, for those who, uh, who aren't really fans, but you know, it's, it's a, I, I think at some point we can definitely do like a, a WTF episode on, uh, on grime. Where, but basically, where we just ask the question and then shut up and you talk for 45 minutes. I, have no I would idea. love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there are zero follow up questions. Uh, yeah, no, but it's, um, basically it's like this sort of underground UK, uh, British rap genre. That's, you know, it started in sort of the early two thousands um, for the most part, it was really born out of um, sort of, you know, quote unquote freestyle. A lot of them are sort of pre-prepared verses that were sort of brought to battle raps. And it was done, you know, it really sort of was born in pirate radio and parking lots. Um, I mean, it was not, you know, it was sort of the a lot of it was the um, y- so younger generation with parents who have, um, you know, who were born in uh, either former, you know, British colonies in Africa, so Ghana, Nigeria, or, um, uh, or the Caribbean. Um, and, you know, so it has sort of musical influences that are really still pretty connected to, to those cultures, which is kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, I think otherwise, uh, otherwise it's sort of built on, um, a, a really sort of strong connection to UK dance music so it's sort of 128 beats per minute break beat um and uh you know owes a lot to um owes a lot to the sort of uh, dance hall rhythms of, of the caribbean as i as i said a minute ago so you know wiley is like look the album title says it all right i mean he's been there since since day one or even before that um he's uh you know he's basically his work in the early days with roll deep crew um produced some of the first tracks that were ever labeled grime um alternatively they were also called sort of you know garage well uk garage or garage um depending on the accent and uh you know he also launched just a ton of the the truly great artists um uh, of the genre including you know guys like dizzy rascal who were sort of the first to break out right. in the u.s and break up you know sort of um uh, get some serious, uh, serious, uh, notoriety. Um, you know, I think as, as I said, he is, uh, he has had such a tremendous influence on, um, the artists now who we're starting to see finally sort of make, you know, bring grime into the mainstream. So guys like Skepta and Stormzy who've put out albums in the last, uh, last year, um, and who are really starting to get some uh, get some traction in the U.S. market, which is which is pretty unusual. Um, I, I I would like to take this moment to point out that that grime artists have the fucking best names of like any MC. I mean, it's like it's literally like Charles Dickens is writing like <laughs> rapper names, you know, Skepta Stormzy, um, you know, uh, Murky Ace, um, yeah. So in it's any like, event, it's like Peaky Blinders. Yeah, exactly. Well, you would. I mean, if that weren't a TV show, that would be, uh, yeah, a grime artist name for sure. Um, but you know, I think the the highlights here, like th- this, really 
brings it back to its to its core, to its roots. It's a great introductory album, um, believe it or not, despite the fact that it's sort of 15 years after the start of Grime. Like, this is this is one of the places I would recommend people start because it's got it's that a, really much. It's mo- a shallow end. Yeah, it's got a great modern sound, but at the same time, it really is sort of, uh, it's, it's a lot of the sort of, you know, wordplay and, and use of, like, percussive um, lyrical delivery uh, such that, like, your voice is an instrument. It's not just about, you know, the rhymes that you're actually delivering. It's it's really the way that you are like phrasing them on the track and the way that that's interacting with the music, which I just, I think it's awesome. Like You're there's no spitting there's no, rhymes. Yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I think a couple of highlights here, are just birds and bars and can't go wrong. Um, are, are two tracks that I would say definitely, definitely check out first. Um, it's got that sort of halting staccato delivery that's really characteristic of the uh, of the style. So, great album. Cool. My team's got a lot of dons, and we're doing this thing. Go check out the songs. Man, don't care. We shut down the park. You can see us on stage like, what's going on? BBK got a lot going on. Skipped up. That's my brother. That's my don. You can never control how man are doing it. It's authentic. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong when it's straight from the heart. You can't go wrong. If it's a real vibe, then you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong when it's straight from the heart. You can't go wrong. If it's a real bag, then you can't go wrong. When it's straight from the heart, the music gets hurt. Could have been a road man, could have been a nerd. That told me don't follow the hurt. Instinct, yes, I follow the word. I used to go and get what I'm given. Never go and get what I'm worth. Still going strong, cause I can't believe that I'm the wickedest grand MC on this earth. My team's got a lot of dons. And we're doing this thing, go check out the songs. Man, don't care, we shut down the park. You can see us on stage like what's going on. BBK got a lot going on. Skip top, that's my brother, that's my don. You can never control how man. It's authentic, can't go wrong Can't go wrong Can't go wrong when it's straight from the heart You can't go wrong If it's a real bad, then you can't go wrong Can't go wrong Can't go wrong when it's straight from the heart You can't go wrong If it's a real bad, then you can't go wrong Yo, I want an MC, bruv Step in the place and an MC, bruv Jump on the stage and an MC, bruv Mash up the place when an MC, bruv Bruv, I want an MC, bruv Fast with the mic and my MC, bruv No question, top black MC, bruv Full clip, never on MC, bruv my last one that I wanted to bring up is a, is a band that we've talked about a fair amount on this show because they're a, fra- a favorite of all of ours, um, and that's Spoon's new album, Hot Thoughts. And uh, the thing about Spoon is, you know, they, I think, you know, they're sort of damned by faint praise in the sense that everybody uh, condemns them for being so consistent. But uh, they're at it again, and they put out another album full of songs that you want to listen to, um, you know, that's a, a you know if that's a curse keep it coming um, but you know it's funny I was trying to think of analogies and uh, you know sort of real world real world analogies that I could bring to uh, you know describing Spoon's career and, and all I could think of was was this sort of um, you know these sort of food analogies which is that every Spoon song is truly uh, the sum of its parts it's <laughs> truly you know, it's it's not greater than the sum of its parts. It's not less than the sum of its parts. It is. You can. I feel like you can watch this. You you like you can listen to this and you it. it um, you know the recipe. It's uh, every layer of every track. Every layer is so identifiable. It, it, you know, it's sort of like when you go to a restaurant and somebody says, "Oh, we're going to make the deconstructed lobster roll," and you have all of the ingredients that go into a lobster roll, and then you know you. 
you know, wind up tasting like a lobster roll. <laughs> it's like, uh, there's not, um, you know, it, it, you, you see this from the bottom <laughs> up. This review is making me hungry. Yeah. No, but it, it's, it's a weird thing. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to really, uh, you know, put Spoon's music into, into some, you know, sort of analogous... Uh, Negative space in furniture is always the thing that comes to mind for me somehow. It's like, exactly. I think, like, minimalistic, like, Scandinavian Ikea shit. Um, and that's, you know, it, like, things that have space that let air run through it that, like, I mean, it's not just about the actual stuff that the furniture fills. It's about the spaces in It's between. about how much and you can take out of the furniture without it falling apart. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's yeah, no, there is truly something amazing about it. It's, yeah, it's the last move of a Jenga tower. I think we're really reaching for analogies at no, this I know. point. But, like, well, but the fact is, um, you know, I, th- I had a, a, you know, and, and again, it's, it's one of those albums where I can go, you know, I can walk through it track by track. The thing about a Spoon record that always hits me is that, I've, you know, I've been listening to these guys since, you know, uh, Jeremy lived in Austin back in the late 90s. And, you know, he had, he was an early adopter. And, uh, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been listening to these guys for a long time. And so I'm, I, I've been trying to put my finger on it forever. It's, it's impossible. But what I do uh, find that, that every Spoon album has a similar uh, lifespan in my you know, within my experience, which is that you get it, you go, oh, this is another Spoon album. Um, I'll listen to it in a little while. And then you listen to it and you're like, okay, well, I still like the last one better. And then you listen to it again and you listen to it again and then you can't stop listening to it. And then, you know, the first song that really strikes you as your favorite winds up being your favorite for about a week and then you switch to another another song and you can't stop listening to that one and it becomes this you know it's this very very gradual addiction that you don't know that you're succumbing to um that is uh that is my life with spoon it is you know i've already uh you know i got this record a couple weeks ago or maybe a month or two a month ago and um you know the first song that that really strikes you is um, do I have to talk you into it? It's a perfect, you know, sort of minor funky, um, you know, it's just everything you want in a spoon song. The, you know, Britt Daniels delivery, um, the sort of, uh, you know, every layer built, every, you know, sort of building to crescendo and then just cutting off at the end uh, like they always do. And um, I'm already, I already have to say that, you know, Whisper, uh, I'll listen to hear it, has already sort of uh, trumped. Do I have to talk you into it as my as my new favorite on this album? So it's a, it's um it's always a funny thing with with Spoon Records because they're all growers. Um, that you cycle through every song. The ones that you don't think you're going to like at the beginning wind up becoming your favorites by the uh, time you've exhausted you know uh, your listening and. Um, you know, they, I don't know why it, it continues to surprise me that they're putting out album after album of great stuff because they do it all the time. No, that's right. And, you know, I, I think just in terms of the, the style, I, I don't think anybody who's listening hasn't, hasn't probably listened to Spoon before. But, you know, I, I do just want to comment and say that, like, Jim, you know, ability to sort of find a groove and find a rhythm and sort of get people moving just instinctively. It's like you just, it is, it is body music, 
but a rock song, which is pretty incredible. I mean, it's like it's what it's what funk did to me. Well, it's what you know. It's it's and it's what sort of. Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think funk is, is really a good, uh, well, a good yeah. sort of comparison here. I yeah. had two, two, you know, two um, sort of uh, observations, you know, in listening to it today. And, and granted, today I was listening to it in my car. But um, basically, you know, they keep getting funkier and sexier as they get older. And the, <laughs> and the second piece of that is that they make dance music for people not to dance to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no one's ever. I've never danced to a spoon song. but it's on its face. It's dance music. So it's yeah. It's basic, I mean, except like maybe while you're like wandering around cleaning your apartment, you know, I could see that. But like you know, never, never in company because there would never be an appropriate venue for it. No, it's it's sort of like one of those you know songs. You know, when they come on at a at a wedding and everyone's like, oh my god, I love this song. And you get out to the dance floor and you realize that this wasn't made for me to dance to. Yeah, um, I turned my camera on might be the best example yeah. of that. Right? I'm yeah. like, yeah, no, and I and think it, that's right. It, it, it might be the worst, you know. Uh, and then you're just out there all to. alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, um, it, it just, it did strike me today. I was, I was writing down notes and I was like, oh my God, you know, I was, first I was saying, you know, this is sort of funk for the unfunky, but it, what it really is is dance music for people not to dance to. Yeah. No. I, I, the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting, and then we can we can sort of you know drop a couple of honorable mentions on here, and then uh, and then sort of move on and wrap That's things good. up. But yeah, I mean, was was the fact that David Friedman uh, worked on this album, and and I I guess it probably speaks to the sort of um, I guess the creative force of of Eno and Daniels working together these days, which is basically that that they were able you know they're able to push back on a guy who, in my opinion, has made every album sound more similar than it is different. You know, he has yeah. this sort of ability, like uh, like Phil Spector, uh, you know, to to sort of pull um, pull very disparate sounds from different bands into a similar sort of uh, I don't know style or, or Uber is something, you know, it's that sort of hazy, um, uh, hazy quality that, that he applies and, and, you know, is of course famous for, um, the so flaming cool. lips and, and yeah. And Mercury Reserter songs. But I do think, I will say this, I think he does, um, I think he brings out the best in the bands that he works with. I don't think he imposes his sound on any, but I don't think there is a Fridman sound. There is a I think there's probably a cleanliness, like I think is what you're what you're saying. But um, I do think he really does bring out the best in the people he's working. Best of their best version of them. Um, yeah, people than, well, no, and yeah. everybody wants to. Uh, I mean, it, that, that's reflected in the fact that everybody wants to work with him. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm ba- I'm basically still just. Um, Pissed about the Woods, the Sleater Kitty album, which of course I like a lot, but not as much as their others. So um, maybe it wasn't the perfect matchup, but I guess those things happen. Um, so uh, with that, do you want to do you want to take a break and then we can come back and wrap that it up? Good. All right. Mind and 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, this, uh, in and of itself, was a what are you listening, what have you been listening to um, episode. So I think we're going to just skip on to uh, adding a song to our one million top ten songs of all time. <laughs> Um, otherwise known as the 1,000 top 10 songs of all time or the 100 top 10 songs of all time. Christian, what, what are you going to put on the playlist? I think this week is the week that I'm going to put on. <laughs> uh, Let's Build a Car by the Swell Maps. Wow. That's great cool. song. It's you know just what? got that, it's got one of the rawest, like, opening struck notes. Just, like, I don't know what the hell they did to that amp. Before that sound came out of it, but it is it is an angry, angry sound. It, what they did to it is is dirty and not suitable for for conversation for so. for public. Yeah, exactly. We because the children would not approve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Actually, I went. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna go back to England in the seventies myself. So uh, it's. Uh, I've been like I said. I've been reading Simon Reynolds' Shock and Awe: uh, History of Glam Rock, and I am going to go. With Hot Love by T-Rex. Nice. Excellent yeah. choice. I think so. La, 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 la. Oh, never mind. Um, yeah, we can, just, we can just go ahead and listen to it on the playlist. I hope so. Um, well, yeah, this has been fun. So despite the fact, uh, uh, despite the fact that I am, I am sick, but I, we made it all the way through, um, I think we're... Yeah, congratulations. Uh, we're, thank and you I, very much. And I'm going to go watch uh, Knee High uh, beat Jeremy... Um, and the uh, Celtics Bulls uh, bet that they made. So there you go. There we are. All right. Well, I'll catch up with you next week. See you later. That's it for this episode of Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks to Simon Doom for our intro music, Hair of the God, and to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Tweet our mistakes and your recommendations and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, on behalf of Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you for listening.